Welcome to the Cup of Joy Testimonies, where the views expressed are not necessarily those of Cup of Joy or our partners, and today on the Cup of Joy. Mary, I wanted to thank you for joining me today, and oddly enough, the fact that you went into teen rebellion is kind of different because you came from a religious family. And tell me a little bit about what life was like before you drifted away into teen rebellion. What was life like before that? I was raised in a large family, and I was towards the end of the group. And um, my father was a doctor. And um, we just had a really nice family life. It was a typical suburban, you know, lots of kids to play with. The neighborhood was full of kids. And uh, life was good. It was peaceful. Okay, and how many kids were there? Eleven. And you said that you were towards the end. Who was the youngest? Not by not by name, but how how old was the youngest when they were uh, when they were, uh, let's say, three or four years old? How old were you? Hmm. Well, there's well from me to my oldest sibling is ten years, and so the youngest one is about five years younger than me. So sometime along the way, would you say that you're Childhood growing up was pretty happy, kind of mediocre. How would you describe it? It was it was mostly happy. It was. So then something caused you to take the plunge, as we talked about before, into rebellion. Is there anything in particular that stands out in your mind as to why that happened, why you took the plunge? I think I was just the typical teenager, and you think nobody loves you, and... So I just started getting a little rebellious. But then when I was 15 years old, my father passed away unexpectedly, and that really threw me a curve, and that sent me on a downward downward spiral. Now, would you consider yourself at that time when you were about 15 years old? That was in what year? 1974, it would be for me. And would you say that you would consider yourself to be a hippie at that time? Yeah, probably, or heading towards it. I definitely was as I got to be a 16-year-old, and that, yeah, we were definitely into that. Um, You know, smoking the pot and all that sort of stuff, and yes, I was definitely into that. But that was I really towards the end of the hippie kind of phase as far as I understood it. But that that was what we were into when we started getting into pot, and it really is a gateway drug. Some people say it isn't. Yes, it is. Because once you've tried that, you want to try all the other highs. And if you could drink it or smoke it or swallow it, I would do it. And that was, I was just, I was on a self-destruct course. And I very nearly overdosed at one point. And now I would assume that your mom was really impacted by your dad's death. How did that impact her? Well, she kind of shut down. It was just very traumatic for her. I mean, here she was with 11 children. Can you imagine? Um, it wasn't that she was overly burdened financially. She was okay. It was tight. But, I mean, the love of her life was gone, and she was only 50. Now, one of the interesting things that you shared with me, too, was that one of the things that, and I go I go back as far as you do as far as this, so this is going to date my, date both of us a little bit, but way back when, we used to do hitchhiking. Oh, yeah. And so when that would happen, we would basically go on the side of the road, we'd stick out our thumb and hope that somebody would stop to pick us up. Sometimes we didn't even know where we wanted to go. All we know is we wanted to get out of town. So 
Now, tell me a little bit about the story about when you got into somebody's car or if it was a truck and you sat down on something and tell me what happened. Well, I was just, I just wanted to be out and about and, you know, find my high. And I was just roaming and I got on the road and I put my thumb out and I got into someone's car, some man's car, and I sat down on his rifle and I thought, oh, great. You know, well, as long as I'm sitting at it, he can't use it on me. But when I get out, it could be a problem. (laughs) Okay, so you sat down on a rifle. And you knew that as long as you sat down on that rifle, there was no way that he was going to be able to uh, use it on you. Yes, but I'm, like I said, I, I was on a downward spiral and just start very making foolish decisions. Um, that was, I would hitchhike by myself all the time. We'd hitchhike with friends and you'd get into any car. Anything could have happened. You know, it's only by the grace of God that I, I wasn't murdered. But then something happened. You were telling me a little bit earlier that in amongst all the drugs you were taking and all the the negativity that you were engaging in, all of a sudden something happened that I would call would be supernatural in nature, whereby there was an intervention that took place in your life so that things didn't taste the same, things didn't smell the same when you would start to go back to these drugs. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. I I had been into all kinds of drugs, uppers and downers and whatever. I didn't even know what I was taking half the time. I didn't care. Um, drinking wasn't my thing, but I didn't mind smoking. And one after another, it was just no fun anymore. I was doing LSD and a friend of mine said he was he was legally insane. And I thought, I don't want to be like him. He's an idiot. Uh, you know, so I stopped. And then one after another, it was just no fun anymore. One drug after another, I just, I stopped it because, I mean, if it's not fun, why would you do it? And I and got s- it. And so the cigarettes that you were smoking, they were menthols? Yes, they were menthol. And I, and I, I tried a pack and it tasted like I lit the wrong end. And I thought, these are terrible. Tried another one. They were just awful. So I bought another pack thinking, well, something must have went wrong with the manufacturing of this one. They were terrible. I tried another brand. They were awful. There was no reason to smoke if it tasted horrible. So I stopped. So then I was smoking pot like cigarettes. And just like other people might chain smoke, that's what I was doing with pot. I was smoking it everywhere I went, walking down the street. And back then you didn't get away with it like you can now. You know, smoking pot to the point where I didn't even get high anymore, and I just felt like I had tar in my lungs. So I stopped because what's the point? You know, it wasn't any fun anymore. And at that point, when I stopped everything, I had recognized that there was a just a cloud over my thinking. And now that the drugs were out, things were getting a little clearer. And then out of the blue, God spoke to me very clearly, and he said, Mary, where do you think you're going to go when you die? And right then, I just stopped in my tracks. I'm like, oh, no. I know where I'm going. It isn't where I want to go, but I know I can't undo my sin. But I did understand in the mainline denomination that I was raised in, they did tell me that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he was the Son of God. And I believed all that, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so I was a bit scared because I knew if I died, I knew where I was going, but I knew there was a way. I just didn't know what it was. So it's interesting that everything that your world revolved around for a number of years now as a teen were suddenly taken away. And so I'm just wondering, at that moment, 
how did you feel about the fact that now you were basically left with nothing, that everything that you had looked to for joy and help and maybe even hope was now not there anymore? How did that feel in that moment? I guess I was, it was empty and yet I was searching. I knew I had to find a way, a way to have my sins forgiven. I didn't want to end up in hell. And I knew that I would if I died. And so really at that point, I just began searching and I'd picked up the Bible and I'd start reading it and I just didn't understand it. And I was searching and searching. And then one day I came home with that on my mind and spoke to one of my, my brothers and, um, he had come to Christ years before. And as I explained to him, I knew that I knew that if I died, I'd go to hell, but I knew God made a way, and he simply explained to me the way of salvation. Okay, so where was this? You mentioned that you, you knew that there was something different about your brother, and he's one of the first people who came to mind when you said that, I know that there's something different about him. I know that there's something that he has that I don't have. When you when that first thought came to mind and you were searching, do you remember where you were, what the setting was, what was happening when your brother came to mind? Do you remember exactly where that was? Well, it wasn't, and no, I don't. And it wasn't really that my brother came to mind so much as when I came home, he was there. And he was ready to talk, you know. He was he he had witnessed to me before, but I just didn't understand it. I wasn't ready, but at this point, I was very ready. I was ripe for the picking. And so, what was it that your brother shared with you? What was the thing that he was able to communicate to you that brought you to the point where you wanted to receive what he had received? Well, he asked me if I believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and I said, yeah, I've always believed that. He said, well, that's good, but that's not enough. Even the devils know that, and they tremble. It's not enough. And he said, are you willing to turn from sin? Are you willing to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus and ask Him to forgive you of your sin and to ask Him to wash your sin away and to be your Savior and your Lord? He said, you know, you, He... He is able to save you from your sin. And when I heard that, it, it was such a simple thing. It, and that was what I was searching for for so long. Once I had you know, recognized that I was on my way to hell, it was such a simple thing to understand that I just needed to turn to Jesus and to come to Him and recognize that and confess that I am a sinner, but I believe that He is the Savior, that He died on the cross for my sins and that He rose again from the dead. I came to Him. And in prayer with my brother, I, I prayed and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin and to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. I knew I needed to follow him and to do what he said. I can't, you, can't, you can't just claim him as Lord and then go your own way. I knew I had to come to know him and understand what his will was for my life. And that, that was just an incredible moment. It wasn't that I was expecting anything, but... When I prayed and asked the Lord to come in, He did. I felt like a lightning bolt came into my forehead, which I certainly didn't expect. But when that happened, it was like, I knew I'm safe. I don't have to worry. I'm not going to hell anymore. He has saved me. Amen. That's terrific. You know, I think that sometimes people don't realize it, but we're all on a journey. 
And when you went to your mainline church and you started to learn about God, it really boiled down to being, in a lot of ways, head knowledge, didn't it? Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe that. But if you don't actually act on it and live your life like you believe it, it doesn't mean anything. It's like if someone says, oh, your house is on fire and you're in there cooking, making breakfast and sitting down to eat and, oh, your house is on fire, but you don't get out, well, then you don't believe your house is on fire. (laughs) You know, if you truly believe something, you're going to act on it and your life is going to reflect it. And so what your brother shared with you about the fact that your sins could be forgiven if you received the Lord, I think there are people out there right now who might be listening. They realize that they're on a journey, but they haven't come to a point of having, number one, the knowledge that Jesus claimed to be Savior, that some believe that he claimed to be a good man, some say he was really a prophet, but what Jesus said more than anything else is that he's both, he's all three. He's prophet, he's priest, somebody who interceded, and he's king. And I think when people realize that the journey that they're on, God is calling them, just like he called you out of your drug use, just like he called me, just like he's beckoning everyone to himself. And that, I think, is a powerful, life-changing thing. So when you think about how your life has changed, how it's changed for the better since you came to know the Lord, what would you say one of the key things changed in your life, the fact that you have joy and that you have other things that you didn't have before? Well, to begin with, as I said, I knew I was safe. I wasn't headed to hell. I knew that I had been saved from that and that Jesus was my Savior. And with that, I knew I needed to search out who he was, because you cannot follow someone you don't know. So I started opening up the Word of God, and it made sense. It started making sense, because the Spirit of God that he gives us when we receive him, it, it opens up the Scriptures to us, and we can begin to understand exactly what God is saying to us. And one of the things, the most simple thing that Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. And when I think about that, I, you know, Jesus died for us. Are we willing to die for one another? That's the kind of love that he asks of us. That is terrific, Mary. I just wanted to thank you so much for joining me today. One of the things that impressed me most about your story is how you truly were a seeker. You were somebody who wasn't satisfied with where you were. But when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, it opened up marvelous things to you. And the fact that he's now your king I think is a testimony that shows that he really has made a difference in your life. Now, if you were to be in a position, let's say, where the Lord were to stand before you and he were to say, and I were to ask rather. Well, I think that would be just so overwhelming. It would be hard to know exactly what I could say, but I recognize that I wasn't looking for him, but he was looking for me. The scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that he loved us even though we were his enemies. And as he died on the cross, he was dying for me. I was his enemy, and yet he made a way for me. How can you express the kind of gratitude that that should be? I I don't know how to express that. Amen. You know, I don't know how I could possibly express it either because he's done so much for me to transform my life. 
And I really appreciate, I guess that would be the number one thing that I would say is, Lord, I appreciate everything that you've done for me. Well, Mary, I wanted to thank you again for joining me today. And I just wanted to bless you, thank you, as I'm sure that many people have been blessed who have been listening to your testimony today. Thanks again, Mary. Thank you for having me.